Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Welcome back to starting a private practice podcast. We're going to be diving into step three, creating processes. We know that does not sound exciting. We should call this the eat the frog step. But (laughs) the fact is, is there are things that need to be done to get your practice functioning well and easily for you. So we are going to start talking about some of the policies, procedures, and processes that really align with that vision and the schedule that you've been working on. And what's really cool about this, a lot of people don't understand, is that this is all about client care. And so we're going to help you make the connection as to how this will actually make life better for you and your clients. It's not just a box to tick. So let's dive in. Welcome back to Starting a Private Practice. This is Kelly. And this is Miranda. We've been talking about starting your private practice, really focusing on the vision and what you're creating. And now we want to talk about how to grow this practice with less effort. (laughs) Doesn't that sound nice? With ease. How many of you have worked in positions, um, whether it was in practicums or at agencies or for other employers where you thought there's got to be a better way? I'm spending more time in bureaucracy, I'm spending more time in paperwork and documentation than I'm spending doing what I love, which is helping clients. So when you're creating your private practice, you don't want to replicate the silliness of what doesn't work. Uh, You want to create something that really works for you. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. I remember when I left agency work and I looked at the treatment plans, the forms, everything I had from that, I was like, I don't want to do this again in my practice. Like, what am I going to create? And I think there is sometimes when you're starting a private practice, there's a fear, a fear of messing up, of doing something unethical, Mm -hmm. of losing your license. Um, And so it's, it's better to dance with the devil, you know, than you don't kind of thing. Yeah. Like, at least I know this and I know that it's been done before and it's tried and true. And so then we look at replicating those processes. But I think when we talk about growing with less effort, it really is about aligning your business practices with that vision yeah. and who you are and what you value. Yeah. I think I, I'm really drawn to remembering I was doing a clinical supervision group. And they rolled out, you know, the, the electronic medical record and my supervisees were spending 15 minutes with their clients because it was in this medical model practice. So it was these very short sessions and it was taking them 32 minutes to document, (laughs) to document their 15 minute session because of all these weird click boxes and things like that. Like, I think this, when you see what's happening out in the world, I know that it's really scary, but there's so much wisdom that we're bringing. And until we put everything on the table to say, what, what, what do we need to add? What needs to come off the table until we do that? We're not going to do it any better. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's going to continue to impact our ability to sustain this work and to do something we love to really connect deeply with our clients. 
And I think it's going to just keep pulling down our profession as a whole. Like our profession is beautiful and magical, but there's very few people that would say like that documentation is the thing that makes it magic. And all that said, like documentation is really important and there's like some great magic in there. So we're going to dig into some of the topics today in this, in this growing with less effort that are going to sound like not really sexy at first. It's never sexy. It's not <laughs> sexy. I actually think it is kind of sexy. Like if you like really think about it, I think you, I think we can say like, Ooh, this can create some ease because everything that we're talking about today is really about making your life better. It's about enhancing your clinical outcomes with clients. It's about making the process easier for your clients. Like it's all about creating ease and flow um, and spending as the least amount of time working as possible. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about where this starts. So the first and foremost, right? You created this vision for your practice. Now we have to find a way to communicate that vision. Now you might think, oh, that means a website. Nope, we're not there yet. (laughs) First and foremost, we need to find out when we have this vision, what does that mean in terms of creating some information about how this is going to work and flow that I can communicate with my clients? What do, and I know you guys are going to take a deep breath before I say this word, our policies and our procedures and our processes, right? (laughs) Like, oh, it's the worst. And you probably don't like this topic because you've been in places where the policies and the procedures and the processes were crappy and they didn't work. So you actually have this beautiful opportunity to create all of these things that will work and that are in flow. And if you create something that isn't in flow, you're going to have the opportunity to tweak it and change it until it is in flow. Okay, this might be a stretch, but I'm thinking about how currently as we're recording this, podcast, <laughs> we are getting ready to have a retreat at your home. Yeah. And we've been going through things and cleaning out things and decluttering and organizing and thinking through what we want that retreat experience to be for people. Yeah. It is an act of love, I believe. Yeah. It's a lot of love and service into it. And that's kind of what I think about this part of the business building, it's preparing the place for this transformation to happen and being really thoughtful about how to do it in a way that works for you and the client. Yeah. Yeah. I um, recently kind of as part of this process, I found someone who does like garden design and I had the person come out to my house and we had this great conversation about like what was going to happen, what I needed. And he was really clear that he could help. And I thought we're on the same page. And I said, well, send me over the contract. He's like, oh, I'll just send you over the invoice. And there's this little part of me that was like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know. What if we're not on the same page? But we had had such a great conversation that I thought, you know, it's going to be okay. Like it'll, it'll be fine. And then lo and behold, as we're kind of going through the process, It's this continual, like he didn't write great notes about the conversation. He's giving me something different than what I was expecting. And so I'm kind of in this place of like, thank you for giving me the measurements of my yard, but I actually wanted you to tell me what to plant in it, (laughs) which I, you know, and even as we're going back and forth in email, so what does that talk about? Right. 
when you're, you're going to have as a, as a person in private practice, you're going to be having this conversation with clients where they're kind of overwhelmed. You're going through a certain amount of information. And then there's going to be this process of what happens between that conversation and your first session. Yeah. And that creating your, what that process looks like, how does the person know what the next step is? Right. What does that look like in terms of that first phone call? Do I email the information over? Do I text? What do they fill out before the session? Um, what paperwork do they sign? What do I tell them about how it works that is going to ease their mind and make their life easier and my life easier so that we're on the same page and we have the same viewpoint of what's going to happen? That kind of clarity that we think about a lot in terms of informed consent, which we'll talk about throughout this podcast about how it is the foundation for um, improving your outcomes, yeah. right? It reduces the anxiety of the client. It sets clear boundaries and kind of defines the relationship between you and the client. So many times we've had clients come and say, um, a hurricane happened or a fire happened or this client late canceled. What do I do? And I say, what's your policy? And they're like, well, I hadn't, I hadn't planned on any of these things. And we're not saying to be anxiously planning, but to put some thought into how you want to respond to these things, because then you can just say, I've already set up the stage for if my client late cancels or if I get sick, how all of this is handled. Otherwise, if you don't have that laid out, Mm -hmm. it is way more stressful when these issues come up and that anxiety gets transmitted into the therapeutic relationship. So if we want to protect that therapeutic relationship, we are just even with our policies in our business, already having a corrective experience with a lot of our clients. A lot of our clients come from relationships where boundaries or the relationships weren't defined well and people weren't honest and upfront. And just by doing this in your business, you're already, again, showing love and care for your client. Yeah. Or where the, the rules changed all the time. And without conversation and where the rules were different for each person and all of these other pieces. Right. And so I think one of the first things that we can do is you can sit down and just make a list of what are the things that you know are going to happen. You know that people are going to reschedule the last minute. You know, people are going to get sick. You know, people are going to cancel. You know, you're going to get sick. You know that your clients are going to go on vacation, that you're going to go on vacation. Um, now, and this is where it gets a little interesting, right? If you live in Florida, you know, there's going to be a hurricane. We're not, not <laughs> going to have that here. Here, <laughs> right? We may have an earthquake, earthquake, right? There's some other pieces, right? In San Diego, it's not going to snow. Um, in Texas, even, so there's yeah, ice storms. There's got ice storms, right? If you're in Chicago, it's going to snow, right? Like, what are the things that you know happen regularly and you can create? Now, there's, there's, there can be all the crazy things. We're we're not asking you to create a hurricane plan if you live in um, in Canada. Like we're not asking that. But if you can just look at what are things that you can relatively expect, I think the other part too. Um, this has been a piece with COVID, right? That people have started thinking about, like, oh, what does that mean in terms of a pandemic? Like, how do we kind of identify what that looks like? What it looks like, even in terms of people's COVID response of like, what does it look like for a COVID cancellation? 
look very different three years ago or two and a half years ago than it does today, right? When the COVID symptomology is much less, mm-hmm. um, when people are not hosp- being hospitalized, when we're kind of, everybody's kind of getting it, like, what does that really look like, right? So we can start creating this ease from the very beginning by just making this list and start to think about like, well, what does that really look like? And it gives us some information and some data too, as to um, just some, when we start to talk about money later on, Mm -hmm. if for example, if I'm going to have like a, Hey, you can cancel anytime up to the last minute all as well. Then that also gives me some data of what I need to plan for in terms of what would it look like if 10 or 20% of my clients were canceling with no cancellation fee every week. I need a plan for that. I need a savings for that. Yeah. So going through and thinking about when you create an informed consent and you're looking at some of your policies, how you want to handle these, and it needs to align with your vision, right? So some of you don't have the flexibility to reschedule. Some of you do. Some of you can often, if a person can't come into the brick and mortar office, Mm -hmm. can pivot to virtual. Some of you can't. So really understanding how do you want to handle these common things that happen in life and its impact on the therapeutic relationship and being clear about that from the get-go. I think the second thing that we look at is kind of that general like client journey. How do I want this to feel? Have you gone to therapy yourself? Like what were the things that felt really good about the way your therapist did it? And what are the things that felt really uncomfortable? Like, I don't want to go into a random waiting room with a, you know, with an intake form sitting on a thing and write out my whole personal history in this room with other people. I'd rather do that in the comfort of my home. I'd rather read the informed consent well before I come in. So I have time to process it versus feeling rushed and, you know, maybe just signing it without reading. So to really create this process of what does this look like from the first phone call And through the first scheduling, the first session, the next session, all the way through to the end and discharge, Mm -hmm. right? Or termination, determination. There's there's not really a great word for graduation, is there, in our thing? No. (laughs) Sorry, Kelly. There isn't. There's no. I don't like grad. I don't know why I don't like graduation. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Termination Termination is not great. It sounds like death. Discharge is medical. (laughs) Toward to the final session and closing of your relationship for that time. How's that? (laughs) I don't know. We want to hear from you all. Like, give us some feedback on what are your favorite, least favorite. Undoing the medical system and so many things. It it keeps happening, y'all. And we aren't perfect and we're still unlearning. Like where little things pop up, the systems that pop up in us. But you want to think like you were saying from the first phone call to your final session, what is that experience going to be like? Mm -hmm. What, what can you also help the client prepare for? You know, Mm -hmm. oftentimes when we're on that first call, are you really preparing them for the investment? Not just what the fee is for one session, but what the commitment is like, Sometimes I would ask clients, how long do you think you might be, this might take to Mm -hmm. heal or work through? And they'd be like three or four sessions. And I'd say, okay, 
you know, when people work with me, they usually come in and they're shocked at what they end up bringing up. They didn't realize that there was more underneath and they end up staying at least one to two years. What does that feel like when I say that, you know, and I go mm -hmm. through some of the process. Mm -hmm. Oh, now they kind of know what they're committing to. Yeah. It makes a big difference and it reduces people dropping out yeah. because then they have more information. I think sometimes we're afraid to give them information because they might might not sign up, but I'd rather them have the information so that they can discern yes. if you are the right fit so that all you're doing is helping them find their path. That's it. Yeah. Versus like, if they're like, oh no, like I was thinking like, I'd like to do one session, like, Hey, here's the solution focused therapist. I think would be a better fit. Or they go actually, you know, when I just think about that, my body, like that feels right. That feels true. Yeah. But I've been scared to say it. And I, you know, what does that look like? In addition to that journey and looking at that initial consultation and, and things, one of the big aspects that we love teaching on, and we have trainings online about this, is integrating outcomes tracking and at least having conversations so that when a client calls and is interested, letting them know, hey, after the first session, I'm going to check in see how it feels about three months into our work together. We're going to have a conversation where we're going to make sure that this mm -hmm. is working for you, that you are getting what you need out of it, because those conversations can enhance the therapeutic relationship, strengthen the bond. How thoughtful for someone to be like, I'm going to check in on how we're doing in our relationship. Yeah. How many times do people get that in their world? Yeah. And then that information can later be used in your marketing, but also in shifting your processes, yeah. because what you're starting with is not what you all are going to end with. So this fear of like, I got to get it perfect or right. Yeah. You just got to get it right for now. And then you're going to learn and adjust as you discover what works and doesn't work for you and your clients. Yeah. It's all about this continual assessment part of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're so scared of making promises, mm -hmm. right? You yes. know, you, you, you look at like this big difference when people are like, oh, I hate these coaches. They go out there and they make all these promises in their marketing and I just hate it. It's so, you know, whatever. But then we get so vague and we get <laughs> so just like you maybe might experience some level of increased satisfaction. <laughs> the research shows up to a 12%, you know, whatever kind of thing like that people don't really, they're like, well, could this actually even help me? Like, it's really bizarre. Right. And, and this is where I think outcomes is really powerful. And, and I'll share with you the guarantee that I gave to my clients, which was that I'm going to be checking in with you really regularly. And we're going to be talking about if what we're doing is working for you. And if what we're doing is not working, we're going to change it up until it does, or we're going to refer you out and find someone who's going to help you like that. I can guarantee like I'm here for that. And that just gives people so much a sense of peace right now that promise only works if I'm willing to like step up and, and do that. But I am right. Are you, are you willing to say, you know what, maybe I, I can't promise that like everything's going to be perfect, but you know what I can promise that I'm going to help you get one step closer or 10 step closer mm -hmm. or one year closer to where that needs to be. Yeah. And without any ego about it, it doesn't have to be about me, but it's, it's a funny thing because when we teach this work to clients, 
to therapists in particular, and when we say clients, right, it's confusing to therapists, they'll talk about like, oh, what if I find out that it's not good? What if everybody is ready to stop therapy? What if, um, you know, all these things, it's like, it, there's a lot of fears that come up and consistently what we get back is, oh my gosh, those are the best sessions ever. My clients are so stoked after the session. Um, I feel so good because part of what happens is this is not a regular place. We're so used to looking at what isn't working. We're not focusing on what, what is. is. And so your client may not even realize the progress that they've made. They may not have internalized that they have done that. And so while you may think that asking about outcomes is about you, it's really about your clients mm -hmm. and it's also going to feel good. Yeah, it benefits <laughs> it's, the entire it's ecosystem a win -win -win. here. Yeah. So this whole part, right, of thinking from the very beginning about how all this works, right? What is this client journey? And also what is your therapist journey? I'm having these conversations. I'm checking in regularly. I'm making tweaks. And then also what is that looking like in terms of my documentation and my paperwork? No. <laughs> right. Why are we talking about paperwork? Well, it is again, I one of the things I say in our business school is that your documentation is like a love letter to the client, mm. that it is an honoring of what happened and an account of the meaning making of the work. And I want all my clients to be able to look back at the notes I've taken and to really have a sense of who they've become and how things have grown and the progress that they have made. Um, so I know that documentation, especially if you're coming from agency work or you had certain kind of billing, um, you might have some trauma, <laughs> some yeah. trauma around it. And Again, you get to do this in a way that works for you and your clients. It is one of those things, though, that you need to do. Yeah. Um, many of my therapists did not. I remember I had a, an analyst that just had notebooks that she'd just continually write every session. So my notes would be mixed in with other, you know, it was just an ongoing. I mean, that, that was just what she was taught to do. And I was kind of taught the same. And so... Um, I kind of did a pendulum swing to the other side of like my county worked like I'm not doing anything like that. And now through time, I've come to this middle ground of seeing how does this benefit my clients and how does it really benefit me? Because the reality mm. is, is I don't remember everything and it's nice to reflect. There is something about taking a moment to reflect and honor what happened. To honor, reflect, and I think there also is a sense of closure, y'all. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of your brain is kind of processing what just happened, giving yourself five or six minutes at the end to kind of pause and take a breath and kind of put it into some kind of framework is a place of kind of like being able to close it and say, like oh, that. we're done until next week yeah. versus if you have your 20 clients or your 15 clients a week or what have you. And you're like, oh my gosh. And I have to do notes for all my clients on a Friday. And then that means you're holding some of that space. And it means that you have to spend extra time getting back into that mode and bringing that back up again. And for me as a trauma therapist, 
to go back into that, right. And kind of be into that space can sometimes be a little re-traumatizing versus this being a, a lovely place to kind of be already in that state, to transition out of it, to kind of document that space and to be able to say, oh, I'm done. I think the other thing too, that's so interesting is like for me with my documentation, it's so much good clinical information. Even like, here's one that I love to share. I had a client that I consistently did not document when everybody else I documented that's really good clinical information. Mm-hmm. Why am I avoiding this person? What is happening in particular in this relationship that I don't want to document this care? Mm-hmm. And this tells me really good things about myself that I need to dig into, mm-hmm. right? Oh my gosh, how has it been six weeks again? Something's not working about this schedule or about this clinical relationship. Now, all this said, it's one of these things that you get to adapt to how your brain works. We've, we've coached clients from, you know, that love written to using like pens on their iPad that translate into text, into their EHR, things like that. There's ways you can voice to text, voice to text. There's collaborative documentation where in session you are doing the note with the client. That is a beautiful way to get your documentation done. And then of course, there's other kinds of paperwork that need to be done that you may think like it's just a necessary kind of thing. But again, how can we do it in a way that helps the therapeutic relationship while also covering yourself legally, ethically? I think about like intake assessments. Mm -hmm. Are they accessible? to the clients you work with? Do they honor who your client's identities and um, language? Because sometimes things can be so clinical and medical that they miss some of the nuances and how you capture information about clients. Just even, we were evaluating a new electronic health record and seeing like, oh, there's an option for intersex, you know, male, female, intersex, like, those things matter to people um, that they feel seen just mm-hmm. even in your paperwork. Does your client say, I feel welcomed that this space is affirming for who I am and I don't have, I'm already, the, the door is already open to yeah. be who I am. Yeah. I think that that whole process too, of just realizing if you don't come up with a process for this, that really works for you. And this, and again, it's going to take time. It may take three months. It may take three years to find just the perfect kind of scenario for you. You deserve to have something that really works for you. This is your business you're creating, and this is your life. Let's create so much ease because there is nothing more stressful than having this fear hanging over your head about not having your documentation done um, or having a file get pulled for audit from an insurance company or having the board um, ask to look at treatment plans, knowing that you don't have any documentation, you don't have any notes, like that's incredibly stressful and it can be financially really damaging. And there's no reason for that if we don't have to. You get to create something that's really, really lovely And that, again, allows you to leave work at work. We don't want you doing your progress notes at home, on your phone, bringing your laptop home. We want to like let wherever your office is, let that be and be able to go. How does that sound? To be able to just 
create a business and a whole flow that you can leave work at work, wherever that is, and then have space for life. Does that sound like what y'all want? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So do we have our little homework that we have? So we're going to do a couple of things. One, you're going to sit down and think about all the things that you know are going to happen in your business, all the kind of day-to-day things, as well as the one-off or the once a year things, whether um, cancellations, sick, vacations, all those different things. We're going to start kind of thinking about what are these notes? What do I want to do? Do I want a 48 hour cancellation policy or 24? Or two business days. We recommend two business days or 48 hours, one of the two. Like here are the pieces of that at minimum, to be clear. Um, What am I going to do for my, what's the client journey going to look like? What are some ways I can start integrating outcomes? What kind of guarantee do I want to give to my clients? What is that consultation process going to look like? Like all of these different things. How am I going to look at my documentation? Let's just start making the list. You don't have to have it all figured out right now, but let's start going through that list. And, and for the things that you do know, um, go ahead and write down what you want to do or what you want to try first. And knowing that, especially when you're starting, I think assessing some of these things on like even a monthly or a quarterly, quarterly basis at the yeah. beginning, right? And I think at minimum quarterly, but if you're feeling a sticky spot before then, it's oh. okay to change after a month. It's okay to change after a week. If you're like, oh, this feels terrible already. Like you get to change as often as you need to at the beginning to find that, that space. That I think will set you up for success when you're starting your practice, allowing this symbiotic relationship with your business for your business to help you become a better business owner and for you to help your business work in more harmony. There is something about that ongoing conversation and willingness to adjust, learning from this process, not expecting perfection, but allowing yourself as you change and grow, so will your business, so will your policy, so will your procedures. So we just wanna lay down the foundation, understanding that what you do in this foundation impacts that outcomes with your clients and allows you to focus on what you do best. When you've laid out your policies, then you can focus on doing that relationship of like fostering better outcomes. And you know that you've taken care of some of these things that often burden a lot of therapists when they're starting their practices. So I'm excited for all of y'all to get started. Our next episode, we are gonna answer some of the common questions that we have around growing with less effort when it comes to policies, procedures, and processes. And all all, all that fun, sexy stuff. See you next time. Bye, y'all. Did we make processes sexy? Did we make this exciting? (laughs) Are you into it? We hope so. We hope that you've made that connection. Um, If we haven't, that's okay. Next week, we're gonna dive into some FAQs just like before. Um, we'll dive into your questions. If you have some of those questions, feel free to go and send them to us. Like we want to hear from you. Help at zinnyme.com. We've got you. Now, if you really want to dive in with support in everything regarding starting a private practice, whether it's a solo or a group, go to zinnyme.com for trust pod and learn all about our business school for therapists and some other freebies for you. We'll catch you next time answering your top questions around processes. I hope you loved today's episode. 
If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinnime.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.